Leading bravely and leading bravely in challenging times is needed now more than ever. But I think the big question is how? Um, we know that for leaders at any level, understanding how to embody and demonstrate brave, compassionate, inclusive leadership is all the talk. So I'm so pleased and excited to have our very first guest on the Bravery in the Boardroom podcast today, Emma Challenge Russell. Emma is an experienced NHS Executive Director. She's also the founder and chair of the Proud to be Ops Network. And she really is Bravery in the Boardroom in action and will share so much about the how. Emma, it's fantastic to have you here. Welcome to Bravery in the Boardroom. It'll be great to kick off with you telling us a little bit about you and your current role. Okay, so first of all, may I say it's a privilege to be here as one of your first podcasts, Monique, so thank you for inviting me. You're most welcome. So you want to hear a little bit about me? Yes. Okay, so where do I start? Um, I guess what I'd like to do is just say who I am, mm -hmm. rather than what my title is, if that's all right. It is, I'll so, pick you up on that though and ask you that after. Of course, right. so um, so mine, obviously I'm a challenge Russell. I um, live in Yorkshire, and I'm a Yorkshire-born girl, um, brought up in a very caring and loving family, um, and I've worked across health and care for over 20 years now, mm -hmm. so quite a considerable amount of time. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a football fan, yes. so I'm very <laughs> active into sports as well, um, but I regard family uh, very, very highly and working with people. So that's just a little bit about me before I put a title yes. to who I am. Yes. So um, day to day and in my day job and passion, I'm the founder and chair of Proud to be Ops, which is a national network for operational managers and leaders across provider health and care organisations. It's a mouthful, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> a, very, a very long mouthful. Um, and I've worked in health and care, like I said, for over 20 years now. And I guess... Um, it started by getting hooked working in a community health trust mm. many, many years ago when I fell into the NHS at that point. And within six months, I was absolutely hooked. I worked uh, for a learning disability services and we used um, worked together as a team to improve care for patients, for families and carers. And the difference that we made to people's lives and improving those pathways just absolutely ignited me, I would say. And from that day onwards, I've always wanted to work in health and care um, and improve health and care as much as possible. Um, so, yeah, that's what I love. And I've gone throughout my career in very different organisations, mm -hmm. sectors. I've worked public, private, um, but always coming back to people improving services and working together as a team that's what I do really regard highly okay I'm going to come back and ask you some questions and dig into that a little bit mm -hmm. more because I know there's lots on that journey that we'd want to tease out and I giggled when you said about being into sports because we should share with our listeners that we are massive Liverpool fans we are and talk about the football a lot in our whatsapp chat we so, do we do yeah. we do so yes we are massive uh, uh, Liverpool fans yes, oh, yes. from being about 11 years old actually for yeah. myself so, well yeah. at the time of recording this we feel a bit better yes we've had a couple of wins right? yeah yeah okay. so it's all good <laughs> So just to come back to your leadership style, because I want to ask you a bit about that. Mm -hmm. um, I know I admire it very much. And I'm, the reason why you're our very first guest is because I, I really want um, people to be able to hear more from 
what you value in leadership, mm, mm. Um, what you embody and what you're helping others to do as well. And I think, you know, I don't want to spoil the whole story yet, but um, I think it's really important that although people are extremely busy mm. in health and care, actually hear, hearing from live current executive senior leaders who are leading mm. in the way that we talk about so much is vital. You know, it's all good to hear from people who, you know, I was in that role 15 years ago and now yeah. I'm telling my story. Actually, I think there's real power in hearing from yourself where mm-hmm. you've been in the, you know, at the coalface very mm. recently and you're now in the system. So before I jump into that, can you tell us a little bit about the role that you hold now? Of course, yeah. So um, I'm currently the Director of Organisational Development, Culture and Talent um, across Nottingham and Nottinghamshire Integrated Health and Care System. So another very long yeah. title, but basically what does that mean? Mm-hmm. That means that I lead um, across the health and care system supporting cultural development um, developing people around leadership and management development, supporting talent within our local system. But it's also about how we can use methods of improvement and the mm-hmm. way that we improve through cultural change in using improvement science to actually make a difference to people who live in the community. Um, and that covers areas around inclusivity, diversity, but importantly, and particularly at this moment in time, is the health and well-being of colleagues. Yes. So um, there's quite a lot in that, yeah. uh, and I do recognise that, but they are all the things that I truly do believe in, mm. that if we invest, we pay attention to and take care of, we can do great things for yeah. people. Yeah. Um, so that's what I do at the moment. So taking that into consideration, and I know me and you, we both like to keep it simple. Yes. How would you, so if I ask you the question, how you would describe your leadership, how would you describe your leadership style in mm. three words for us? Three words. Mm. Um, I did think about this one and it was hard to get to three words, <laughs> but I have got three and that is fun, deliberate mm. and optimistic. Okay, okay. So those are my three, fun, optimistic um, and deliberate. And I'm quite happy to elaborate on them if we needed. I'd love to, uh, yeah. actually, absolutely, picking up on deliberate. Mm, deliberate. Tell me more. Yeah, yeah. Tell me more. So um, I always believe that, and I always try my best to make sure that whatever we do, mm. whether it's a change, whether it's creating a vision being clear of the benefits, we are deliberate. So we're Mm. making a conscious decision about why we should do something, how we do it, and what that entails. So, because if not, we're all very busy. Mm. And actually, let's do things that add value rather than don't add value. So most things that I do, um, I always think about, is it deliberate? Why are we doing it? What, what added value is it going to give to people, to patients, to the people we work with, to the people we're trying to support? So, um, and I often say being deliberately developmental. Yes. And that's something, again, that I always hold myself to account on, but also respectfully challenge others. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that way we really live in our vision and we're delivering our vision. So, yeah, that's what I mean by deliberate. 
Thank you. And just connecting to that. So as everyone knows, the title of this is Bravery in the Boardroom. And I know in my intro, I say that Emma is bravery in the boardroom in action for mm. definite. So just connecting that up a bit to say that now the role that you're holding, mm-hmm. so, um, director role, board member in the ICB where you are, just and you told us about your starting off your first role in health in yeah. a learning disabilities team and how that sparked mm. your passion to work in health and care and improvement. Tell us a little bit about the bit in the middle. So tell me a, a bit about your journey mm. and in particular, what helped you to get from where you started to the role you're holding now? Mm. It's a great question and it it's something that I do think is important that you do stop and reflect mm. on where you were yes. and the journey you had to get to me where I am now. And I do say it's a journey because I am here with you at a point in time. Mm. My journey's still going. Yeah. So um, when I do think about the journey, I would say it has been quite challenging. Mm-hmm. And some of the reasons for that is I would say... One, being a woman. Two, progressing in my career and being perceived to be too young to be in senior positions. Mm -hmm. And three, challenging because of the leadership behaviours that I've experienced. And those are the three that struck me the most Mm -hmm. about overcoming those challenges, I would say, over the last number of years. But recognising what made a difference to that, and that was by having supportive, inspiring um, role models Mm -hmm. and managers. It was about actually um, connecting to a network to motivate me, to encourage me, to support my own well-being, I think, on that journey as Mm -hmm. well. Um, And I think those are important factors. So I would say that it's been quite up and down. Mm -hmm. It's been challenging personally but it's also been liberating, energising and exciting. And I would certainly say that I have had to be brave numerous times. Mm. Um, And some of that is by reflecting on what it was I was feeling, experiencing and being able to articulate that back in a way where it was respectfully curious, needing to know to help me move, move forward. So um, I've had some great opportunities, like I said, and I've experienced some different um, experiences working in health and care. Mm -hmm. I think one thing I would say is working in public and private has been a positive experience for me because it's made me realise what it's like on different spectrums, different environments, climates, um, and I think that strengthened me as as a leader. And particularly in terms of um, the decisions that I, that I've taken um, on that journey. And was it deliberate for you to step out and experience mm. the private sector? Was that an intentional move by you? It was, yeah. And and one thing I would say throughout my career, because I've worked in community, acute, independent, regional roles, national roles. I've worked across Europe in private private healthcare consultancy roles. I've been very deliberate in choosing the different sectors and roles I've gone into because I wanted to, to I want to become, and I, and I say become because I mm. still think I'm learning, <laughs> a leader who understands all the different parts of the whole system mm-hmm. 
And the only way that I think I can do that is by walking in their shoes and being in those roles. I went into private because I wanted to understand how private healthcare worked, ticked, think, lead. I did the same about working in healthcare consultancy, going to different countries, because I wanted to learn what's it like, what's the healthcare services and delivery like here? What's it like in community care? How can I really join up a pathway and help improve pathways if I don't understand each part of the pathway? So I have deliberately chosen to work in different sectors and roles. And I've been fortunate enough. Well, actually, it's probably not fortunate. I've been forceful enough Mm. and brave enough Mm. to step out and maybe go for those roles. Um, And I haven't always got them, Mm. you know, and, and I... And I'm a person who does take that knock on the chin and I need to pick myself up. But when I do look back, I have picked myself up, no matter how hard it's been, and still gone for what I believe in. Mm, so a lot of drive there as well. A lot of drive. A lot of drive and, and, and ambition. And I think that's that's probably why I am a very optimistic person. Yes, yeah. Extremely okay. optimistic can I go back and dig in mm. then? So when you just said there about um, when you didn't always, when you weren't always successful mm. in your opportunities, you know, picking yourself back up. But you also mentioned about um, the challenges you faced. Yes, you've you faced so far because, as you said, yeah. you're still on your journey. Absolutely. Um, but can I pick up on when you were speaking about having supportive managers mm. and your network? Just can you tell me a little bit more about that? Was that something that you sought out for yourself? Or was that brought to you? Because I, I say I asked that and I want to dig in there because I know a lot of our listeners are trying to progress their career or leadership yeah. journey and want to un- want to understand what helps and what worked for yeah. people who get to the boardroom. Absolutely. And I've experienced some great line managers and some great leaders. I've also experienced some very poor mm. and behaviours-wise. And, and that has been challenging The reason why I connect it back to networks is because I'm the sort of person where I would class myself as having numerous mentors Mm -hmm. in different backgrounds, experiences, styles, not just in a professional context. Um, And that's helped me a lot Mm -hmm. and massively because when I have had to talk things through with someone who can be independent who I feel safe to have a conversation with, I trust, I respect, and I actively listen, then that's helped me enormously. And I would recommend to anyone, Mm. who are your mentors and for what? Why are they your mentor? What do you need a mentor for? It's not just technical expertise. and It's actually because you can have a conversation where you're feeling vulnerable, Mm. fragile, Mm. something's happened and you don't know how to deal with it. So, um, and I've deliberately (laughs) gone and seek lots of different mentors and I've learned that you need it more when you get, no matter what level you're working, you know, whether I started off as a, in NHS terms, a band four, mm. which is a project officer and PA, mm. you know, and worked my way up. And I've had mentors all along the way at different levels for different things. And, oh, boy, have I used them. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, whether you get opportunities to work in, like, learning sets. Mm-hmm. Learning mm-hmm. sets is a great opportunity. Um, and, do you know, really create safe, trusted colleagues 
who you can have conversations with. I still meet with some of my learning sets now and we get together and I value their their feedback and having a conversation. So important what you just shared there mm. and, and what you said about at leaders at any level. Yeah. The power of your network, the power of having a trusted safe space or colleague that you yeah. can really confide in. Really heard what you said there about being able to be vulnerable. Mm. You know, when you're carrying responsibility, we know that for sometimes for people, they feel that as a leader, I can't show vulnerability yeah. or I've got to have this all worked out. And I know I don't believe that's the case. I think it's, it's absolutely mm. okay to say I don't know as a leader. I always follow that up yeah. with, usually follow up with, but say when you will know or go and find the person who does know. Yeah. yeah. So in that moment, it's absolutely fine to say, I don't know, rather than trying to cover it or lie, you know. Mm. But that vulnerability of saying that, that vulnerability of when you've got something wrong, or like when you said, when you've gone for something and it's failed. Yeah. Knowing you've got a space you can go to, and as you described, sort of just dust yourself down and pick yourself back up again. Yeah. So important. It's extremely important. And like I said, no matter what level, you know, some some will look and go, oh, you're a director. Mm. What, what do you need? And believe me, imposter syndrome, mm. vulnerabilities, they're there just as much as when you're working at this level. For sure. As opposed to any other time in my career. Um, so, yeah, it's invaluable. And I think, really think hard about that because that will help you in how you respond to things, um, the decisions you make, why you make them, and, you know, how courageous and brave Mm. you feel confident um, to be or not be. And I think knowing that you've got that supportive network around you Mm -hmm. will make a big difference. Thank you, Emma, and thank you for sharing so honestly as well. Mm. I think it's really important to do that. Yeah. So coming back to you and your passion, because I know you have an absolute passion for change and transformation yes I did. you mentioned improvement before but what ignite what ignited that for you mm. I think what ignited it was when I first did step into health and care and seeing the difference that we could make to people's lives mm. that really really struck me and um knowing that if we can do one change that will make an experience better for a patient, a carer, a family member, or a colleague, or Mm -hmm. a person who's delivering the service, that's worth its weight in gold. And actually, it doesn't have to be massive. It doesn't have to be big. It can be small. But that small thing can make a difference. And and I think that's what really struck me. I think the other bit is, you know, we've shared... um, big football fans mm. I played football from the age of 11 11 aside women's league football and when I look back on that mm-hmm. the team spirit yeah. we were always looking to improve we always wanted to win the league be in the top so we trained we got better mm. we worked as a team we got to understand each other we got to optimize each other's skills and positions and and I didn't realise it until I do look back that I think I got a lot from that. And it got me into a rhythm of continuous learning and improvement. And I think it's really stuck with me. Maybe it was always naturally there. Mm. <laughs> and I never really... And I was just putting it to good use and football was away. Yeah. But actually, I think I've always had that kind of um, thinking and style. Yes. And I think I've probably realized it more as I've gone throughout my career and then I've optimized it 
And I think now I just keep wanting to grow it, grow my understanding, my experience and, and development. But it's always within that continuous learning and improvement, whether it's for patients, customers, people. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm kind of about. I really hear that connection mm. in what you're saying about learning what ignited you. Mm. You know, you, you learn early in your career. You clocked that early in your career, what worked mm. for you, what yeah. ignited you, what you felt a connection to. Mm. And then to use your language, optimizing it in terms of the decisions and, and roles yeah. that you went for to broaden your experience. Yeah. I can really hear that. And I think just thinking about that from, a, and I'm asking, not telling actually, mm. just thinking about that from a perspective of, so when it is challenging, you're in a senior role, but you're doing what you love and you're doing what you're great at. And I really hear a connection mm. to that. Um, if I can link that onto then, let's talk about the Proud to Be Ops Network. Yeah, yeah, okay. That's the, big thing. That's the big thing. So tell us a little bit more about it. I know loads about it and I absolutely love it, but yeah. it'd be great for you to explain what's the network, who does it serve? Yeah what's its values and what you're focusing on at the moment. Okay. There's a lot in there. Monique. I'll break it There's up. A lot in I'll there. break it up. <laughs> um, so proud to be up. So it is, does what it says on the tin. Mm. <laughs> so it's a network of operational managers and leaders across health and care provider organizations who are proud mm -hmm. to be in operational roles, proud to be ops. Um, I myself have worked in senior operational roles for quite a number of years in different sectors. And, mm -hmm. and when I was uh, a deputy um, chief operating officer, I, like I would, mm -hmm. uh, and I do, I reached out to say, who, where are my peers? Who can I connect with? Who can I learn with? Who can I steal with pride from? Um, mm -hmm. And I quickly found that nothing existed. Mm -hmm. um, so I set about well, let's create something. Let's start a bit of a movement. And it was back in 2017. And we got I got 15 people together in a room. Mm -hmm. um, and we all said, why are we here? What's our purpose? And I particularly took a developmental approach yeah. to meeting as 15 colleagues from one end of the country to the other to say, why are we here? Why should we come together as a professional network? What do we all want to get out of it? What are our values? And what are the principles that we work to? And like I said, that was back in 2017. Mm -hmm. um, 15 people were now well over a 1,000 members wow. from one end of the country to the other. And we're still only tip of the iceberg mm -hmm. with that. Um, but really what we came together for was to recognise operational professions as a profession. Mm -hmm. We know that roles such as finance, yes. HR, yes. nursing, medical, they're all seen as a profession Yes, in their own right. Operational managers are not. Mm. And so there was something that we determined around raising the profile of ops, who and what we are and why do we do the role that we do. Yeah. There was also around recognition. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people in operational management roles felt unloved, yeah. uh, undervalued, not recognised, not celebrated as a profession. And that was quite powerful. And there was also around people feeling quite lonely mm -hmm. in these roles. You know, you've got operational senior managers who are leading massive 
divisions of clinical mm. services with budgets of 20, 30, 50 million pounds. Yes. There's a lot of people that work in there, but they weren't really recognised and their own development and their own safe, supportive space didn't exist. So we started Proud to Be Ops, operational network, and then year on year we've grown. And um, the network involves managers from community trust, mental health, acute, independent, non-for-profit, um, and ambulance sector. And we continue to grow. And now we have a very supportive, safe space mm. that's all about the people mm. and the people within it. We're not a we're not a meeting. Yes. We don't go away with actions. Yeah. It's a very deliberately developmental space, space where people come to connect, to learn, to develop and share and um, to support each other. Tell me a little bit about, so I know I asked you loaded questions in, in one, mm. didn't I? So tell me a bit about the values of the network. So the values of the network is about um, creating safety. Mm -hmm. So safety to have um, a voice, safety to feel vulnerable, mm. safety to feel respectfully challenged, and therefore it's about trusting the people who you are connecting with. And everyone holding dearly a set of values, which is around trust, yes. respect, safety, support, um, and creating um, spaces where people can learn and develop. And we hold each other to account on those values. And every session that we open, um, we remind ourselves of our values, of mm. who we are, why we are, and what we expect of each other. And for an example is none of our sessions are recorded mm. because we want mm. to create a safe supportive space where yeah. if someone's doing really really well they can be proud about it if someone's struggling they can equally share that yeah. at the same time so um there's something that we do hold dearly and it's also why the network is for purely operational managers and leaders from health and care providers it's not and it's across two tiers so at a director of ops, deputy coup level, but yes. also at a divisional general manager level. The reasons for that, mm. well, you don't want your boss in the room when you're trying to have yes, a conversation safe. that you might be might be challenging. Mm. You might need to share things that um, might, you might feel vulnerable about. So you've got, so the network really works hard, and I personally work hard of creating that and maintaining a safe, supportive space. Thank you for explaining that. It's so true. Um, it's so true about people feeling that it's safe. I know I've I've attended some of your network mm -hmm. events. I've been part of them. And there really is that opportunity to be honest about where you are. Mm. No question is a silly question. Yeah. Um, and I think genuinely members want to support each other as well. Yes. You know, so they want to... They want to hear your challenges so that actually that that you must have that action learning set yes. approach in action, isn't it? To yes. be able to support each other, good, bad, indifferent with what's yeah. going on, but also challenge thinking. Uh, that's actually. exactly yeah. it. I mean, one thing that the network has grown in over the last two years is that we're influencing upwards. Mm. So we work now closely with national bodies, mm. organisations and teams to bring the ops voice to the table but then for it to be heard yes. and then for something to happen as a result, as opposed to just I'm at the table, you need to go beyond just being at the table. And that's something, and 
what the network members express and share is that it's not Emma saying it or it's yes, not, yeah. you know, yeah. John saying it. It's proud to be up saying yeah. it. So it's a representative voice, which again creates that safety. Um, and safety and security to have to speak up and have a voice. Yeah. And and that is something that when when we have our bravery in the boardroom sessions and events, it comes up a lot. You know, um, we hold webinars where we regularly have panel guests of current execs mm. and non-executives working across the NHS and care space. And I think it comes up a lot. The question comes up from the audience all the time about, I want to speak up, but I haven't got your title. You know, yeah. I'm not I'm not sitting in the boardroom. I haven't got a director title. How do I speak up and how do mm. I speak up without fear of repercussion because it's true you know there may be leaders like you who will encourage absolutely encourage your teams regardless of level come and speak to me you know want to hear your views we'll have other leaders who feel threatened Mm. when someone speaks up or tries to um, shut them up or they become a target and that's the truth Mm. and I think um, here and here that if you are in a situation where it isn't a safe environment to speak up, mm. to know that you can come into the network and the network can support you to have yes. a, a voice still, I think is important for people to hear that because some environments it's just not possible to yeah. speak up and be safe at the moment. And that's, you know, we shouldn't mm. we shouldn't um, hide from that. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think having that network and like your community Mm. you know people like you but where you feel safe Mm. and actually you can have that voice and you can share that vulnerability but equally you can get advice guide and support to to where do I go next with it and I think that's an important aspect of the network uh, and it providing that opportunity so what, one of the other things I know you do in the network and I wanted to just pick up on is um, your approach to co-design. So mm. I know in terms of what the network prioritises, what you're focusing on, there's a lot of discussion with the members. So yeah. it'd be really good to hear a little bit more about how the network supports leadership and talent development. Yeah, sure. So um, like I said, the, the network is an independent network. So nobody owns us as a network. And I think that, again, is super important. Mm-hmm for us as a, as a professional body. And why is that? The why is that is because it's the members, therefore, that choose what do we do through the network and why are we doing it? What development? So what development do you need? Not what someone else is telling you you need mm-hmm. or nationally they're telling you what you should do, but what do you actually need? Mm-hmm. What's going to help you be a better leader, a better person, and to add um, skills to do your day job yeah so the independence is important because then it's an independent voice yes and it's coming with the best intent and there's a reasoning behind it it's not political correct it's not politically driven mm. it mm-hmm. is here you're getting lived experience yeah. books on the ground this is what ops is telling us yeah Um, In terms of leadership and talent development, so that is one of our key five objectives as a network, Mm -hmm. is about leadership and management development, recognising and nurturing and growing talent. Mm. So, for example, uh, we look at opportunities. um, What is it? Learn from members. What is it that you need? What, you know, it's not often is a programme, go on it. Mm. You know, we know there's loads of things out there, but actually often are not quite the right thing 
what you have to shoe on a person mm. into it because that's the program. Mm. We purposely and deliberately co-develop programs to based on what do you need, what's going to help you. Okay, what might that look like? Yeah. Okay, how might we might do that? When do we need to do it? What would it involve? And that's the co-development piece. Yeah. And um, we've done that across numerous programmes that we've offered to members, whether they are over a, a period of time, mm. whether they're module-based. A good example is um, only this week we're going to be launching our mentoring yes. um, yeah. programme for members. Mm. And that's what members want. Yes. And that's about first phase between yourselves, over a 1,000 members in here you've all got expertise someone a new manager might step to work in emergency care never done it before yeah that's okay you've got a member over here who's done it for the last three years why don't you learn from each other love that so yeah, it's that. the fact that actually optimize your own skills and expertise and offer that mentorship um as a network mm. We've equally, uh, with your sales, Monique, mm. you know, you've uh, been involved and engaged in members of the network. We co-developed yes. um, a Brave Leadership in Challenging Times programme based on what members wanted and needed. So, you know, that's a very bespoke programme. It's not an off-the-shelf. Yes. It's based on what members need. And, and so it's things like that that we look to take forward. But... The other side of it is one of our other objectives is about being a diverse and inclusive network. Yes. Talent is a key element of that because we recognise that as a network that actually we need to grow our future mm -hmm. operational managers mm -hmm. and leaders. So how do we recognise talent? Are we um, reaching out to the people who are talent? rather than the normal route. So mm. we're doing that in an effective way. How do we know where the talent is? You know, so there's something about, first of all, our own cultural intelligence as a network of how diverse and inclusive we are. Yes. Because that then allows us to really think more about, well, where's the talent then? And are we getting into the areas and encouraging and the language we use to recognise and nurture future operational talent? So we also were on this immersive yes. <laughs> learning as yeah. a network. What influence can we add to aspiring operational managers and leaders whilst also holding the mirror up to ourselves around how inclusive and culturally intelligent are we yes. as a network? And so they are um, two, the leadership management development and being a diverse and inclusive yes. network of our objectives over the next three years. I think it's so, and it's so important that you're, when we talk about, you know, our strap line, mm. we want to see boardrooms more representative yeah. of the communities and staff they serve. And what you were just saying about, you know, a large component of um, staff in the NHS mm. and in health and care are operational staff, right? Yes. So if you can get, if you can improve the diversity in who's coming up, yeah. And who feels part of it and who feels that actually believes that they've got equal opportunity. Because mm. I think there's really something here about we can have all the talent programs in the world. But actually, if we've mm. still got colleagues who feel or perceive that they don't deserve these roles or they will never get there or the barriers and blockers will stop yeah. them. We've got an issue. If like you touched on something, the language we're using is excluding mm. 
you know, Correct. large groups of talent, what happens there. Mm. It's really important that we are, this isn't just about for developing talent as well, but also you're working. So I know some of the work that you're doing in network mm. as well for the managers and leaders who have responsibility now yeah. so that they are looking at themselves. What can I do more mm. to lead inclusively? What yeah. do I need to stop doing? What do I need to start yes, doing exactly. more of? And yeah. really being able to see that. So I think it's it's really good to hear that the network's called itself out on it and then mm. gone, so what are we doing in practice yeah. to change that? I haven't seen you rushing to make a great statement about it out there. No. It's actually getting on with it. What are we doing with for our yeah. leaders? What are we doing to look at talent differently? How do we go ahead and implement this now and yes. learn from it? I think that's it. And, and you know, it's it, you don't have to shout about it because it's something about actually let's hold the mirror up ourselves mm. first. And whatever, and again, I do come back to this being deliberate. Mm. So let's be deliberate about, you know, why we're doing it, how we're going to do it and what we're going to do. Yeah. And it is a classic why, how, what, but it's true. Yeah. And I, and I think otherwise we're not being authentic ourselves and we're not being true to who and what we are. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, one thing that we have committed to is, again, over the next 12, 18 months, we recognise as a network, I said we're at that director of ops, that divisional general manager, so quite senior. Mm. But actually, we've got managers who are our future yes. directors of ops. So actually, now we're going to be looking at, okay, so what do we offer to those managers? What can we do as a network that's going to give them now a safe, supportive space to develop, learn, connect and share and importantly, feel energised because yeah. these roles are becoming more and more harder to recruit into and to retain mm. good people. Um, and some of that is because of the um, continued projection of NHS managers, as an example, and manager bashing and saying that, you know, I think some of the some of the languages around, um, you know, bloated at the top and fat cats and that kind of thing. And actually, it's not representative of what ops managers are. Yeah. Um, and that's, again, is what we're about as a network, being brave and speaking up and sharing those yeah. voices. And also recognising. So I think there's something here, isn't it, about... We were, st we were talking before we started recording about when it is challenging. It's, mm. it's more challenging than ever, isn't it? And, yeah. You know, we're, we're out of a pandemic officially, but actually a lot of what's gone on in the p pandemic in healthcare the pressure and the volume of work hasn't changed. So no. um, we haven't used the word today, resilience, and I'm glad we haven't no. because it feels like resilience, we expect people to be resilient forever. Mm. I love the term that you taught me instead about emotional fitness. Yes. And helping that really, for me, brings it into how are you feeling right now? Yeah. How are you feeling in your ability to be able to lead and do your role right now? Mm. How are you connecting to how your people are feeling and where they're at you know mm. and I bring that up now because I know a lot of people may be listening and thinking the load on my plate is just too heavy yeah you know or I don't have the title that you have so I mm. hear what you're saying but I don't have the title to to go ahead and do some of this um I don't feel that confident right now to go and jump in and start a movement like yeah. you have but I really heard what you said before about small changes yes. making a difference. And it would just be great to hear, what would you say? What would you say to my listener who is saying, I don't feel I've got the authority, mm. the title, or the time? What would you say to them? I would say to them, um, first of all, be, be 
think about what your needs are. What is it that's going to help you move forward, whether mm. that's in your career or whether it is just about your own emotional fitness? And then think about the different ways that you can connect with that. Is it through other people? Is it through doing something different? Is it about stepping outside of your work environment and thinking, well, I can meet some of that by doing X because that's where I get my energy from. It's mm. where I get my motivation from. So you've got to think about the balance of the, the work and home because often the two are interchangeable. Mm. You can't have one without the other. Yeah. So I think you have got to think about that. Um, a title... Don't get me wrong, I have privileges because of my title. I do recognise that. However, I never used to have the title. Mm. And there are ways, whether it's through connecting with different people, whether it's about being clear of what your needs are and therefore finding the environments and space where you might get some of that, whether it's about sometimes you've got to be kind to yourself mm. and say it's okay if you feel a bit rubbish, actually work through that, try and understand what that bit rubbish, why, what is it? So I think you've got to do your own internal, but also from with networks and people, relate it back and share back what you think you're feeling, hearing or, or experiencing. And, you know, allies are really influential. Mm -hmm. Who are your allies? Because, and I think the other bit is, it can take time. Mm -hmm. You can't all of a sudden become brave overnight. You yes. can't all of a sudden think, oh, I've sorted it. I accept the fact that it's a journey mm. and that what I would say is that everyone goes through challenges. There is always the other side. There is always the other side. And it is about being patient. It is about trusting yourself. It is about connecting with others don't go into isolation. Yeah. Really keep connecting and learning and growing from others and actually being kind to yourself to do that. Um, those would be some of the things that I would I would recommend. Thank you, Emma. I think really practical yeah. but sensitive advice that you've shared there. Yeah. Um, and I think we've heard from you sharing your story and journey today, how that's really helped you mm. and, and moved you forward in your career mm. and journey. So two things to finish up on. Yeah. One is obviously we heard about the Proud to Be Ops movement, which if we rewind the conversation, mm. started with 15 people in a room. Yes. So when you say about starting yeah, small, yeah. 15 yeah. people in a room to over a thousand members today, mm. if people want to hear more about the mm -hmm. network or learn more about it, where can they go? Yeah, so um, if anyone is um, a Twitterer or a tweeter, <laughs> is this A? Uh, we're on Twitter, which is at Proud to Be Ops, which um, is spelled proud, the number two, the letter B and Ops, O-P-S. And we're also on LinkedIn. So again, if you look for Proud to Be Ops on LinkedIn, you can find us there as well. So that's the best way to, to connect with us and learn a bit more. Okay, and my final question to you, as we were talking about emotional fitness and mm. we've been hearing about you, mm -hmm. so tell, could you tell us a little bit about what you do to, to maintain or top up your emotional mm. fitness? So um, I find the places that motivate me and energise me, and I know those places are, one, uh, family and friends, mm -hmm. 
Um, two is um, being in creative, innovative, optimistic environments. Really, that is the space where I thrive, yeah. absolutely thrive. And three is fitness. Okay. I like to keep fit. I like to um, burn off what little energy I might have off, uh, left some days. Um, but I like a space to keep healthy and fit. And I think that helps me keep the energy levels that I do. Um, so, yeah, family, friends, creative, innovative spaces and keeping healthy and fit. Oh, Emma, it's been such a pleasure talking to you today. I've, even though I know you well, yeah. I've still learned so much from our conversation. So thank you so much for being our first podcast guest. Thank you very much and thank you for having me, Monique. You're welcome.